just before I introduce Fakhri, you'll notice um, that we've changed over all of the bright oranges and reds of Pentecost into these, the subtle tones of greens. Um, this shifts that we are moving into ordinary time, that, that second half of the Christian year, if you look at our calendar. So the first half from Advent all the way to Pentecost, we've been focusing on that grand story of Jesus that we rehearsed for the first half of the year. And now we've moved into what's called ordinary time, which basically just means that we are looking at how the story of Jesus comes to life in our everyday ordinary life. And so that's what we're focusing on in the second half of the year. So um, I, I just would invite you to consider that in your own ordinary life, I guess, during this season, that how, how might the story of Jesus begin to shape your own story as you live it out in everyday life. Um, our preacher this morning is my dear friend Fakhri Yakub. He is the pastor of the Christian Arabic Church, which meets in our building and has met here for, oh gosh, how many years? 17 years. Um, they meet here every Sunday evening. Usually there's a couple hundred Arabic-speaking folks here on Sunday evening. Um, would love for you to come at some point. You might not understand much, but it's a, it's a beautiful experience. You certainly will understand worship. And um, Fakhri is going to be speaking to us today about the call of the church, especially to the immigrant and refugee communities among us. Um, the, the Christian Arabic Church is modeling to us in so many ways how we can reach out to the nations that have come among us. So I'm going to pray and then read God's word. Father, we thank you for Fakhri and the work of the CAC and the work that they are doing in our city. And we pray now that as he comes that you would illumine your word and give him power from your spirit to speak your word. And give us ears to hear what the Spirit would have to say today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our reading today is from John 6, 1 through 15. This is God's word. It is absolutely true, and it is given to each of you in love. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they all sat down. About 5,000 men were there. And Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, then distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, now gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw this sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come to make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Corey. I'm so glad to be here. I preach uh, every Sunday here, but you don't notice it because it's in the evening. Um, usually I would say uh, I bring you greetings from our congregation that meets here in the evening, 
but today it seems like I brought you hot weather from Egypt. <laughs> so uh, don't blame me for it. It's about time to have summerish weather. Uh, it's not my fault. Um, this is one of the most uh, famous miracles in the New Testament. Uh, for one reason, it was mentioned in all four Gospels. It's the only uh, miracle, only uh, incident that one was mentioned in all four Gospels uh, other than the uh, uh, resurrection story. And also it was uh, observed by thousands of people, um, 5,000 men uh, plus uh, women and children. So uh, it's somewhere between 8,000 and 20,000 people witnessed and benefited from this uh, miracle. I think the Holy Spirit wants us to pay extra attention to what happened here. I'm going to read some extra verses from the book of Mark, chapter 6, starting verse 30. Uh, the apostles gathered around Jesus and uh, uh, reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't, ha didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who, many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it is already very late. Send the people away to the surround, to the, so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? As a father of three children, I get to watch a lot of kids' movies, sometimes because I like to, most of the time because I have to. <laughs> and one of the movies I watch several times is a movie called Horton Hears a Who. This movie is based on a children's uh, book by Dr. Seuss. In, in the movie, a young elephant named Horton hears a, a voice coming from a speck of dust and found out that there are a lot of people in this uh, speck of dust and there's a whole world there called Whoville. But of course, nobody in Horton's world believed him and they thought that he is just an elephant who went nuts. The, the bossy kangaroos uh, convinced everyone to get rid of the elephant and destroy the speck. Horton was uh, able finally to prove that the people of Hoville are here and they need our help to live a stable and safe life. And finally, the kangaroo changed her mind and pledged to help uh, and protect the people of Hoville with Horton. This movie reminded me of the... Um, situation of uh, uh, people who are here among us from all over the world, the immigrants and refugees. For, for many people, it's a big problem. It's a crisis. 
But uh, Jesus wants us to look at it as an opportunity, opportunity to reach out and help and show compassion, to show mercy, to show grace and love of Jesus Christ to those people. In our story today, Jesus went with his disciples to a quiet place to get some needed rest. But a big crowd followed him and followed them. And the Bible says when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. Many people saw the crowd, but only Jesus had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began teaching them many things. Luke says he taught them about the kingdom of God. It's, it's an image of what is going around us. Many people from all nations around the world that are coming here, are gathering around us. Uh, Jesus wants to grab our attention to them, that they are here, and we need to reach out to them. By the end of the day, Jesus knew that those people are hungry, and they need to eat. And I think you will agree with me that Jesus, God in the flesh, didn't need anything, didn't need help, didn't need anyone to feed 5,000 people for one meal. After all, he uh, was feeding uh, more than 2 million people, three meals a day, every day, for 40 years in the wilderness. Fresh cooked food in the kitchen of heaven, except Saturday the kitchen was closed. <laughs> they, they, uh, they, they had to eat leftover from yesterday. He didn't, he, he didn't need help, but he asked the disciples to partner with him. He told them, you give them something to eat. It, it brings joy to his heart. It brings joy to Jesus' heart to invite us to partner with him and share his love and compassion with the people who are in need around us, the people he loves dearly, the people he died for. So for Jesus, this was a great opportunity to express his love and compassion and to share his mercy and grace with those people. But for the disciples, it was a big problem, a crisis. Jesus was determined to feed those hungry people, to, care, to take care of them, to meet their needs. But he put a challenge in front of the disciples. And I think he's still putting this challenge in front of the church every day. You give them something to eat. The disciples didn't want to help. They suggested an easy fix, a quick fix to this problem. They said, send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Send them, send them anywhere. Get rid of them. Send them to Canada. <laughs> send them to Mexico. Send them to China. Or even send them uh, back to where they came from. Get rid of them and get rid of their problems. We don't want to have to do anything with these people or their problems. When it comes to the issues of and, and ministry of immigrants and refugees, many people think the same way. It's a problem. It's a crisis. And the easy fix to this problem is get rid of it. Get rid of the people and get rid of the problem. Send them anyway. We don't want to have to do anything with it. But Jesus wants us to look at it as an opportunity. Opportunity to reach out, to share the gospel, the good news, to teach them about the kingdom of God, like what Jesus did with those people. Many uh, countries, the church was trying for years and praying to send missionaries, even it would cost lives and it would cost 
millions of dollars, but it was hard. Places like Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and other countries, guess what? They came here. They came in our uh, uh, neighborhoods, in our communities. And Jesus wants us to see this as an opportunity. Give them something to eat. I want to, today to look at this issue by answering four questions. Why not? Who did? How to? And what to? Why not partner with Jesus in doing such miracles? And who did actually partner with Jesus in doing this miracle? And how to partner with Jesus to do miracles like this? And what to, what to give the people, what to feed the people who are hungry, who are in need around us? Why not? I'm sure the disciples had, had many questions in their mind about their, these people. Who are these people? We don't know them. Where they came from? Why they came here? Are they here legally? After all, this gathering might be illegal in the Roman law. Are they going to cause trouble? Did they come here mean harm to us? How is it going to behave in the future? Is this going to affect our lifestyle? Many questions, but I think there are uh, four in, in our text. There are four reasons why the disciples didn't want to help. Number one, it is inconvenient. The Bible said that they, they came after a long time in ministry and they uh, needed some rest. And Jesus invited them to come to a quiet place to get some rest. So helping those people uh, will take away our own private leisure time, the time we needed to rest. Helping other people could mean that we will um, we have to give up something. We have to change our own dinner time, or maybe uh, change our own bedtime, or give up our children' uh, soccer practice this week, or uh, swimming lessons next week, or anything that's, that's inconvenient for, our, for us. The number one reason, it is not convenient to help others. Number two, money. I call this Philip's problem. Uh, helping others might cost us some money that we might not be able to afford, or we are able, but we don't want to spend this money on those people. Um, the disciples uh, told Jesus, do you actually, really, truly want us to spend 200 dinars, half years of wages on those people? Are you serious? Jesus asked Philip, where, where to buy food for these people? Philip failed the test. He answered how much it cost. He said, it wouldn't, uh, uh, we need more than uh, 200 golden denarius to feed these people. It would not be enough to give each person even a bite. The Bible said Jesus was testing Philip. And, and if you're a teacher, you know that Philip failed this test. Maybe he, he passed the mass, economics, but he failed in faith and trust. And sometimes the church think the same way the disciples and Philip were thinking. How much it will cost? And is it worth it to spend all this money to feed those people? Number three, it's prejudice. Well, uh, in the book of Matthew, before, just before he mentioned uh, this miracle, he uh, tells us that Something terrible, horrible, and terrifying happened 
In, in today's uh, language, we call it a terrorist attack. John the Baptist was beheaded. John the Baptist, the humble and meek person, was killed in a horrible way. Yes, but what, what those people have to do with that? They didn't do anything. Yes, this is a problem. The problem is they didn't do anything. While they could have done something to stop it, or at least condemn what happened to John the Baptist. But they didn't because they rejected him. Rejected his message that was calling them to repent. As a matter of fact, they rejected Jesus himself. The Bible said that Jesus, uh, Jesus, by the way, was from this region, Galilee, northern part of Israel. And the Bible said that they didn't honor him. They didn't honor him. They didn't receive him well. So I think in, in the minds of those disciples, it was going like this. Those people didn't help us before. Those people don't like us. So why should we love them and help them and take care of their needs? We don't want to. Number four, lack of love. Luke tells us that uh, this miracle happened after the disciples came from the mission and ministry field. They... Um, they came back with very encouraging reports about their mission and ministry. They were teaching people. They were um, telling people about the kingdom of God. They were healing the sick. Um, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name, they said. But even though these disciples had the spiritual power, spiritual gifts to heal the sick, to cast the demons, to move mountains, but they didn't have enough love and compassion to care for those people who are in need. Who did? Who did actually partner with Jesus in this miracle? Well, number one is the child. The child who, against the children nature, who tend to hold on everything as in mind, um, he shared his lunch you know, if you are a parent, you know that children, uh, uh, there are three, three things that children don't share. Food, toys, and everything else. <laughs> but, but this child went against the nature, and he shared his food. The second person who partnered, partnered with Jesus in doing this ministry is Andrew. Andrew was one of the disciples, and he had a unique gift. The gift was of bringing people and things and problems to Jesus and asking Jesus to handle it, to deal with it. I pray and hope that uh, for myself and for all of us to have this gift, to bring problems and things to Jesus and ask him to handle it. Andrew had a, a younger brother who were, uh, was very stubborn, troublemaker. He didn't try to change himself. He brought his younger brother, Peter Simon, to Jesus. And Jesus did all the work. One day in uh, John chapter 12, a group of uh, uh, Greek people came and they wanted to meet with Jesus. They came to Philip. Philip took them to Andrew, but Andrew didn't take them, take them anywhere else. He took them directly to Jesus. And Jesus took them to the cross. He told them that he must die in order to save the world. And here, Andrew, when, when he uh, uh, found out about the problem, he started to walk around and uh, ask people who has some food. And he found this boy who has five loaves of bread and two small fish.
He brought them to Jesus. And Jesus did all the work. And this is what we need to learn. We need to have this gift of bringing problems and things and people to Jesus and let him do all the work. The third person who, who helped and partnered with Jesus in doing this minister, this miracle, was the mother, the mother of this young boy. Uh, when we look at the quality of the food, this is a very poor family. Barely bread is for poor people. But when we look at the quantity of the food, this is a very generous mother who would, who, uh, would pack a five loaves of bread for a young child. She was thinking that there might be another child who is very poor, who can't afford to have lunch, and she packed more food for her children to share it with someone else. Father Mattel Miskin, his name means Matthew the Poor, a Coptic Orthodox monk and a modern Egyptian theologian who passed away a few years ago, suggested that uh, the mother had a compassion for another child that she didn't know or didn't meet, but she thought that someone else might be hungry and need some food. And Father Metal Miskin uh, says that Jesus did not decide the number of loaves of bread he will use to perform this great miracle. The poor, generous mother did. She decided how many loaves of bread Jesus will use to perform this great miracle. And he says, the compassion of a poor mother met with the compassion of a great father, the heavenly father, to feed a great number of hungry people. And of course, the mother and father of this boy did a great job teaching their son about sharing. They did a great job. How to? How to partner with Jesus? How to, how to be a, you know, do miracles like this? Well, let me share with you our own testimony in our ministry. Um, my wife and I were engaged when God called us to come here and start this ministry. And it took us a year to discern, and, and after we were sure, we came here. We were expecting great things to happen, but three years and nothing happened. I was doing everything they taught us to do in seminary, uh, teaching, preaching, visiting, calling, um, doing counseling, everything in the book. And we started the first worship service was six people. After more than two years, we had eight people. And, and I was disappointed. I was struggling with God. Why you, why you bring me and my wife here? We could have done this in Cairo with more people. And it was almost three years. I met a man in a store. And uh, from the way he looked, I assumed that he's Egyptian. And I wanted to know if he's a Christian or not to invite him to church. Um, in Egypt, you can know that by knowing people's names. I asked him about his name, and his name was common. You couldn't tell if he's a Christian or not. So the second question, and you can ask this in, in Egypt, where do you worship? And he said, I don't. I said, why? Why you don't worship? He said, why should I worship? I, I've been here for more than three months. We don't have any furniture in our apartment. We sleep on the floor. And... I'm depressed because my daughter is sick and I can't take her to the doctor because I can't afford it, because I don't speak English and even I can't take her to the doctor how I'm going to tell him what's going on. I remembered that um, the week before I met a lady in the sanctuary. She said to me when, when, when she introduced herself, my name is Linda Allen, here's my phone number, call me if you need anything. 
I hope she didn't regret that. <laughs> I, I've, been call, I've been calling her for about uh, 17 years now. <laughs> well, I, I called her and, and she said, well, I think we can do something about that. Um, uh, I'll give you um, a name for a doctor from the church, Dan Foster, he will take care of her. Uh, I will send a message, I'm sure some people at 30 have furniture they don't need and we will collect it and help uh, provide some furniture for this family. Uh, Give me the address. Uh, next day, I, I, I met two strong men, Jim Fields and Joe Keller, at the apartment. Uh, they had a big pickup truck loaded with furniture, and they blessed this family with it. And, and the Lord told me, this is what you're here to do. This is, this is what the people need. If they are hungry, if they are sick, if they... Uh, don't have anything to sleep on, and they come to church, they will not be able to hear your wonderful sermons. And if they hear it, they will not understand everything because their mind is occupied somewhere else. And then miracles start to, to happen. Um, uh, another lady, uh, her name was Mary Garland Johnson. She said, I, I, I'm a teacher by nature. Uh, how about teaching English to those people to help them to get better jobs? And then she uh, was accompanied by uh, Flo Strangely and Sarah Scott and started the ESL ministry. And then another lady, Mill Bailey, she said, well, we need to coordinate the furniture ministry to, to do it in a better way. And she started doing this. And um, uh, uh, for years, we, we furnished more than 200 apartments for new immigrants or refugees in Richmond. And then uh, people needed medical help and they didn't have income or insurance. So um, Dr. Doug Ludem and Dr. Colin Rivers, uh, uh, Peter Mershey, Rob Cox, and uh, I, need, I need days to, to tell you about the miracles Mike Mercy and the people that cross over are doing every day to reach out and help people who are in need. And then from the ESL program um, came a lady uh, by the name Andy Redman. She said, we need to teach the children something too. We need to help the children. So she started even before she became a member of third, she started the tutoring program to help the children. How they did it? How can we do it? Simply... Uh, uh, the compassion our, that Jesus put in our heart and our five loaves of bread, put them in his hands and he will perform, perform miracles with them. What to do? It? Final question. What to do? What to give the people? What kind of bread to give those people who are hungry? Well, if you are thinking about me, pita bread and feta cheese would be good. <laughs> And, and seafood, I like seafood too. But maybe we think about it in a cultural way. We think about pita bread for the people from the Middle East, nuns for uh, Indians, or tortilla from people from Latin America, or, or baguette, or any kind of bread. But in this text, I think Jesus is suggesting another kind of bread. Uh, I will read another, uh, some verses from John 6 starting verse 48. I want you to count how many times the word bread is mentioned here. I am the bread of life, Jesus says. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that, come, that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. How many times? Five. Five. 
These are the five loaves of bread. Jesus wants us to give him to the people who are hungry. And believe me, coming from the Middle East, I know that millions of people are hungry for Jesus. In the book of Matthew, when Matthew talked about this miracle, he said that when Jesus had the bread, he gave thanks, blessed it, broke it, and gave it. So here, in this miracle, Jesus is not just feeding the hungry people. He is giving himself to the people. And he wants us to do the same. In the last encounter between uh, Jesus and Peter, Jesus asked Peter three times, Peter, Simon, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And Jesus is still asking the question today. People of God, do you love Jesus? Do you love him? Do you love him? Feed his people. Give them something to eat. Give them Jesus. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the compassion you have in your heart toward all the people in the world. And thank you for planting the seed of compassion in our hearts and inviting us to be your partners in taking care of those who are in need around us. We put all the resources we have, even if it is little, we put it in your hand and ask you to use it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.